Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey now, welcome to a special episode of the Movie Mavericks Podcast, where the hills have barbarian brothers i'm trevor anderson this is over to jason rugard he's gonna decipher that for you maybe we're talking about the 1987 canon produced film nope. starring the barbarian brothers inventively titled the barbarians um i think you yeah. have the hills have eyes reference there because of michael berryman who michael is in, in this movie. west craven's film the hills have eyes and if anything i would call this movie the hills have a lot of muscle mass because uh, the barbarian <laughs> brothers were jacked Whoa, film. these guys are huge in this. I mean, I don't think that they are, uh, you know, they were wrestling figures. I always thought that these guys were WWF guys because they kind of acted like uh, big, mm-hmm. bigger than life characters. But these were just straight bodybuilders who never really competed in any sort of, they weren't Mr. Universe or anything. They were just known for their physiques. And um, I clearly, huge. they are huge in this in this movie. They could, they're cracking walnuts in, in their butt cheeks and stuff. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're ginormous. Yeah, the baby oil budget on this thing must have been through the roof. They are glistening. <laughs> yes, they are. They're shimmering and glistening throughout the whole thing. They that gleam. Is true. They gleam in this movie. And they're the only ones, if you um, notice that, in most scenes. Like, no one else has got any sort of baby oil on but them. And uh, as oh, yeah. we record this, it is uh, March of 2020, and David Paul, one of the Barbarian Brothers, passed away about three weeks ago before this whole uh, coronavirus situation. I wonder if that had anything to do with this, because that was before they were really reporting on these deaths here in the United States. He did pass away in his sleep from respiratory failure or heart failure, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that had anything to do with it, but... That's a loss. He's the guy who plays Gore out of the two. He's the the bigger. I don't know. You see these uh, the muscle builder guys. You you see uh, passing kind of earlier sometimes, right? From complications due to the sport of what they did. Yeah, I mean, it's not a secret that these guys are using performance enhancing drugs. And back in the seventies, when things putting your body through that amount of stress, well, and the amount of calories that they had to consume, and all sorts of things. I mean, you're really. But to be fair, in later life, if you Google these guys. Both of these guys lost a considerable amount of uh, muscle mass, but got really shredded and kept a physical regimen up. David Paul himself became a photographer for a lot of bodybuilders. And he, uh, if you Google Lee Priest, he did him, uh, Sean Ray, a lot of these classic bodybuilders from the early 90s. He took uh, their photos and they have great stories on YouTube about this guy would just drive around and break into places and, and get snapshots and sounded like they both were interesting characters. Have you done any research on the Barbarian Brothers at all? Do you know anything about these two? Uh, no, I just after having seen, I've, I'm obviously I haven't seen this in a long time. This is a 1987 movie. Yeah, I haven't seen this in a while. After watching it, um, I don't want to know anything about these guys. I want to remember them uh, as these goofy people from this movie. Exactly, and I'm almost sad that I know this, but I have to tell you, Peter Paul, the younger of the two, who still is alive, I stumbled upon a radio interview with him. This was I mean, I've always kind of had a fascination with these two growing up since a kid. I love all their movies. I love all their movies. Think Big, I like it. I like this. The other two are dog shit we'll talk about. <laughs> um, but I always kind of followed them because they were these larger-than-life characters when I was growing up. And I stumbled upon this interview with Peter Paul, and he called himself the Knight of the Light. I think there's still a website out. And he had clearly oh, yeah. was going through some mental issues. Remember, I think I sent that to you? Yeah. Where he was rhyming, kind of almost like in a Tourette's uh, kind of induced 
thing and they were un- these guys to be fair once again actually were rappers did you know that they have yeah. rap rap songs and albums out there and whatnot and so it, it is what it is but he clearly was off his uh his rocker there and during a live interview he said he was blindfolded walking to the beach and it's something out of a will Ferrell movie you can literally hear people in the back go watch out fuck you and honk their horn and stuff. <laughs> anyways well these guys i mean it wouldn't be surprising to see these two guys pop up in something like tiger king right oh no i would love to see them uh, and t- I would love to see a documentary. But that's about how their crazy life. they they seem to be. Like they're kind of they're very uh, and not just crazy and like you know the cuckoo crazy upstairs, but they're um, outgoing. They're in your face. They're kind of super goofing off. They're really uh, energetic, I guess. Well, they got their name, the Barbarian Twins, by Joe Wider. Or Wheeler, I can't remember the guy's name. The guy who discovered Arnold. And apparently they were at Gold's Gym. They'd come out there from Rhode Island where they grew up, and they'd been fans of Frank Ferzetti. Is that another guy? I can't, I cannot pronounce names today. It's because I've been in a house for 24 hours. <laughs> the guy who did the fantasy paintings like uh, Fire and Ice and um, kind of the, the Conan novels, mm-hmm. the covers. Anyways, they bu- built their bodies up to look like that. And when they came out to Gold's Gym, they were going ape shit in the gym, slapping each other in the face. And Weeder saw this and said to them, what kind of training is that? And they said, it's barbarian training. So they said, you're the barbarian brothers. And they really self-promoted themselves into being stars with Canon. And this is the same year, 87, that Canon Films was also taking the chance on another unknown talent named Jean-Claude Van Damme. His film became Bloodsport, which launched him into major superstardom. This became kind of a forgotten gem. A lot of people saw this on mm-hmm. videotape. This was a video store staple. I mean, I love I loved that term because well, it's- almost every video store had this, right? Oh yeah, for sure. This was uh, definitely a VHS. I mean, that was the whole Canon ploy, right? Uh, Obviously, the VHS market and video rental market was upcoming, and you can make a lot of money out there. Um, And this was a cheap movie, let's be honest. Even though it had really fun special effects, and I love the monsters, and especially the giant dragon and stuff, but they are, even by 1987 standards, extremely cheap-looking. They are. This this was reportedly budgeted at two and a half to four million dollars depending on the source i would say that that's bullshit you and i when we were in film school our editing teacher uh was a nice lady and she had told us about working on mission impossible 2 or i'm sorry missing in action 2 god she would have loved to work on mission right. impossible 2 uh for menahem gorm and Golobus, the that's like chuck guys. norris movie and she said that they had used there was an explosion at the end where the bad guy's hut blew up and they, they she edited that from four different camera angles and he said, the producer jumped up and said, that's a million dollar shot. And the director said, we didn't spend a million dollars on this movie. And they say the budget of that's like $7 million. So you got to be careful with these Canon films. I think that they reported a lot of stuff because they were mm-hmm. you know, writing things, not embezzling, quote unquote, but using funds for different things. This is also in 87 when they're getting bled dry by Masters of the Universe and Superman 4, two films that would tank that they threw a lot of money in, which would ultimately lead to their closure. However... If this had been released on wider than 800 screens, I think this would have done a little better. It opened up with 200,000, totaling out 800,000, but apparently it was really successful in every country it played in, except for the United States. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what uh, Canada's distribution possibilities were, ever, I guess, really. Um, so but 800 screens is pretty damn good, especially for a movie like this. This is only this um, is here in the states. I mean, considering, oh yeah, but considering for the most part, these types of of mystic, uh, muscle bound warrior movies uh, n- never really inspire a lot of confidence from distribution. 
No, I don't think there's a single one that has, is there? Aside from uh, if you look at, I guess, the Conan remake or something recent like that, but those have, of course, all failed. Well, yeah, even going before that, what was the one with uh, Carl Urban? Uh, Pathfinder and things like that, you know, like they mm-hmm. got no, they just kind of got dumped into theaters unceremoniously. But this was produced by the Italian arm of Canon Films, which also produced four other films, all three of which starred Lou Ferrigno. Uh, Hercules 1 and 2 in something called The Seven Magnificent Swordsmen or some shit like that. It's uh, hmm. it's a terrible film. Those First of all, all four of those films, if you think about it, starred bodybuilders. So they were clearly going with the Arnold Schwarzenegger in Conan oh, sure. uh, mold there and hoping to break these guys in. I put the Barbarians personally in the same league as I put something like the Scorpion King in. And I know that the budget and the special effects are a mm-hmm. lot different in each, but for its era, they both were fairly cheesy. They have these bodybuilder wrestling personality type guys in them, and they both aren't to be taken serious for a moment, right? Uh, well, this movie isn't, but I mean, Conan, maybe to be taken seriously. Well, I, the first for Conan, moments? for sure, I would say. Yeah. It, the, I mean, the 80s were ripe with Conan I mean, knockoffs. There certainly are, yeah, there, there certainly are movies like this. Uh, you know, Willow, uh, not really muscle bound type thing, but, but Willow has that kind of uh, comedy, obviously ridiculousness, but there are moments to be taken seriously. Um, I don't know that there's a single moment in the barbarians to be taken seriously, but it is still brutal. I mean, the opening to this uh, film, the whole uh, fight sequence is fairly brutal. Guy gets his fingers bitten off. You know, know, there's, there's a lot of stuff in here. Uh, um, You know, uh, I don't know when the bad guy is playing with the sword and maybe he's going to kill the the women or not. You know, there's some stuff in here. It's pretty brutal. I remember that opening sequence as a kid is being fairly brutal when the guy gets his eye socket popped out and all sorts of yeah. uh, weird shit going on. Uh, out of all the knockoffs that followed in the wake of Conan, I rank this with the best of them, kind of like with Sword and Sorcerer and Beastmasters. And I think the worst of them would be Blade Master, Hercules, and She. Have you ever seen She with Sandal Bergman? Yeah. Oh, God, that's bad. Those are all those Italian uh, knockoffs. Mm-hmm. And um, they're hard to get through. This one isn't particularly... Well done, even though it's directed by Ruggiero Dedado. I could barely say this guy's name. It's an Italian mm-hmm. film director who made Cannibal Holocaust, the, the famous Italian horror film. And this guy's revered by Eli Roth, Quentin Tarantino, um, Ridley Scott mm-hmm. apparently has an affinity for his film. So the guy was no slouch making this. And it, the problem isn't how it's made. It's just the limitations of its budgets and sets, I'd say, and costuming even. Uh I don't know. That's a pro- I think this movie, with uh, the hand that it was dealt, um, this movie s- somehow swamped it out for a better hand. You know, they, they use everything to the utmost degree that they can in this, and it's really, really fun. I think this is a super fun movie uh, from beginning to end. Obviously, there's problems. The Barbarian Brothers don't show up for a good portion of the film. The entire first act really is a, a, a kind of a long story to get because they're young kids in the beginning of this, right? And it takes a while for them to, to grow up, but they stick with that Conan type uh, growing up story. I don't know what, what the hell you would call it's it. It's so ridiculous. Um, I mean, the bad guy's plot is to what? Is, but... Feed these fucking guys? Apparently no one else is getting any protein but these two kids. So you're going to keep them alive no, for 20 years? they just grow that way. It's natural, man. Oh, it's yeah, natural. It's a, let me tell you one thing the Barbarian Brothers weren't is natural. Those guys were about as juiced to the gills as you could be. 
And you're right, the first half hour of this movie, it's hard to almost pay attention to outside of that initial violent sequence uh, because it's some some kind of backyard, boring sword and sorcerer shit. Um, but by the, the moment they call each other bonehead in that fight, and they have that mm-hmm. kind of... The Barbarian Brothers themselves said that they injected a lot of the humor into this. Now, that's probably true because they're cut-ups in a lot of their things. And they do that weird shit like making those donkey yells and stuff. But the director had to be on board with them letting, or they wouldn't have cut it together like this. But it's pretty fucking funny from that point on. I mean, I, it's well, a comedy a of this. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of this that I remember. Um, like when they when the wolf thing shows up and they chop its head off yes. right away, um, which is hysterical and also works because these guys, <laughs> once these guys get big and they, they try to pit them against each other and they figure it out and they have that comedic moment where they're, the, you know, the one's dumb, obviously. And, and they, they figure it out and stuff. They don't give a shit in this movie these guys are fucking are they too dumb to be afraid i don't know but clearly they're too smart to uh um to worry or not too smart but too strong to worry right anything that comes at them they easily bat it the fuck away well they almost have fun Um, which makes the movie yeah which makes the movie even even better in that sense because yeah they're like this shit like nothing can hurt us who gives a fuck they're not except the the ending uh they do get hurt by uh by richard lynch there but they're, they're not some brooding type of hero like Conan who's lamenting the fact that their family was slaughtered and he doesn't know who his parents are or his people. They don't give a shit about that. They're all about, hey, let's go get the ruby because why not? We got nothing else to do in this fucking movie. And if you if you ever look on uh, YouTube, the Alamo Draft House did a special screening of this, I think back in 2007 or 8, and the, both the brothers were there talking about the production of the movie. And apparently... The older brother who passed away was thrown from his horse on the first day of shooting. So he says he has a limp a lot of the times in the movie. And hmm. the younger brother was saying he would do weird shit like tuck and roll, you know, when they break into the, the castle area there. And the other brother mm-hmm. was like, what are you doing that for? It's like rocky ground right there. And he do it like 30 times. And just like they were just fucking around the whole time, It's they said. They're like just trying to have fun. And there's a certain amount of that that comes across on screen. They actually seem to be taking a lot of joy and their performance, and they're not bad for first-time actors. If you really look at what they're doing, they're they're playing it at a certain tone the whole time and everything, but they really are having fun on screen, and it comes across. It totally comes oh, yeah, across. It, it makes you want to watch a, a sequel. It makes you wish that there was a, a direct sequel to this, really, because I'd watch another one of these uh, immediately, maybe more. It's just there's so much fun. If you're uh, if you're a connoisseur of this genre, then the Barbarians is better than it has any right to be, as far as I'm concerned. I just think that yeah, like I agree, yeah, like it, it's a lot more, and it's a scant eighty-seven minutes, I think, and it goes. I mean, like you said, the first twenty minutes are a little rough because they don't show up till then, but the second they show the up, movie, it doesn't stop. I mean, the plot is is a non-plot really. It's a it's a point A to point B type thing, and. And there's no really rhyme or reason to it. They kind of, I mean, they show up to save the princess at one point and she's like, or the queen, whatever. And she's like, oh no, don't save me. I'll stay here and you go, go get the ruby. And then they go, but then the bad people take the the queen anyways to go get, I, it's like, what's going on here? There's no, there's no rhyme or reason to this plot. We're just moving people around the board so they can uh, run into each other in random places and, and things can happen. You know, and the first act is like that as well, right? I mean, this movie is about basically a, a traveling band of 
circus performers, yeah. if you will, yeah, who are magical. And then there's this magic ruby, and they have a queen. And the the bad uh, guy, Richard Lynch, I I don't know what his bad guy name is. It looks like a woman, though. What's the deal with the bad guys in these types of movies? They always look like uh, very feminine, like almost. Yeah, yeah. Why why is that always like that? I don't know. Yeah, it started so with weird. James Earl Jones and Conan. It continued along. I mean, a lot of these so movies. weird. Yeah. yeah, but it is true. But anyhow, they they you know take them because they want their. Uh, magic power which, I Ruby, still which contains all their laughter why. and music and all this what shit. are they gonna do with their special what are they gonna do with that special power it's not they, they're a traveling circus you're gonna steal the circus's power I don't, <laughs> makes no sense right why the fuck would you want that but all right you want all the magic in the land i guess so he goes and he gets that they he of course has has a sorceress it's an evil sorceress right uh and that's basically the movie and then the, the, the guys grow up uh, he tells the queen if she does whatever he wants. By the way, which she never keeps up that end of the bargain. Yeah, she's never a concubine. Uh, but, uh, no, she never does shit that he wants. But if she does whatever he wants, then he'll let the kids survive because the kids uh, bit off his finger right when they were uh, during the fight when he yeah when they took, were teenagers basically preteens yeah yeah little kids bit his finger clean off and then, but then the, so they grow up in that kind of cone and thing as slaves or whatever and he's like all right I won't kill him. But they trick them into into fighting each other by beating them. Uh, they wear one. Somebody wears a black mask. Somebody wears a gold mask, and they beat the kids or whatever. That's so the then, cleverest thing in the whole isn't script, it though. Yeah. So yeah. then they're gonna pit them together, and they put the one in a black mask and one in a gold mask, and then they think uh, that that's their torture. Those, the, those are the yeah kind of kind of beaten into them in that sense, and so they fight each other. They of course figure that out immediately that that. They're twins. They're, they're twins. Yeah, it's them, and so they escape, and then they and they go on uh, an adventure to get back the magic power, save the queen, put the circus group back together, and all that. We're getting the and band that's the back basis together. Of the movie, yeah, that's that's basically what the movie is, and it's nothing more than that ever, um, which is fantastic because it really gives people time to just kind of lay into the world it's called the barbarians and that's exactly what it is it's also a lot of fun it, it gives them a chance right. to fuck around in every situation and mess i'm telling you there's moments in this movie that are such throwaway little bits but turn into something i don't think in the script it was the give me the axe i want the sword no give me that back i good i wanted yes. this one anyways that kind of immature brotherly fighting is so appealing mm-hmm. in this movie and every time they do it but it's so much fun and they're, like they're having so much fun even when he gets out of the when they get out of the, the heart of the dragon where they're going through the intestines and they come out with all that dragon yeah. shit all over them and he goes into the the water and he just lets out the big howl like it <laughs> thank just, you i thought that was fantastic too I, that whole moment where he where the one brother comes out and then washes all the the goop off him i was like that's kind of weird and then the other one comes out and does the same thing and it's like damn that's actually kind of good because that's exactly what you would kind of expect to have happen. You know, it's just like they've just been through all that. They've been through the intestines of a dragon. Now they come out under the waterfall and wash themselves off. I, I appreciated that little like moment. It's throwaway I moments too. in this. I mean, when they break the neck, the noose around their neck by straining yes, their neck muscles. That's so much fun. Because, yeah, because the one guy does it because they're, they're just going to kill him, right? Fuck it. And he does it in, in a hysterical way, by the way. Especially even after he, he falls, he's on the ground. He, yeah. breaks, he falls on the ground. He d- does more screams and yells. <laughs> I love the hooting and hollering that these guys did the whole time. Yeah, I really, this movie put such a huge smile on my face just the whole time because it's, 
it's so weird. It's rare to see a movie where people can genuinely be fucking around. The complete fuckery is afoot here and it fits into the movie perfectly. You never, it doesn't break you out of the movie ever. I just was complaining on our last podcast that we did about Charlie's Angels, the new film. And I was saying the one thing I really disliked about it was that Kristen Stewart felt like she was playing Mm -hmm. above the material. These guys are absolutely playing above the material and it works because they're they're in on all of this. They know that they're in a movie about barbarians and they're fucking having a great time doing it. I mean, the, the joy of performance comes through in this thing and it's it's hard to say that about a movie called barbarians but it's absolutely true and it put a smile on my face too i watched this twice now in preparation for this and i hadn't seen it in years i had the videotape around here somewhere i think i bought it for the videotape this is by the way streaming on pluto tv right now if anyone uh wants to key in and catch this or if you have uh any sort of cable provider it's on something called movieplex as well that's where i caught Hmm. it on so um but it is on i mean this is also starring we must give credit to the great villain, Richard Lynch, who was in a number of canon films, most notably this in mm-hmm. Invasion USA, but was also a villain in... I mean, he scared the shit out of me in Invasion USA. There's a scene in that movie. You ever watch that movie? That Chuck Norris yeah. movie? There's a scene where he pushes this chick's head down when she's doing a line of blow, and the goddamn metal utensil she's using like shoots up her nose into her brain. It was so horrific to me when I was a kid and I saw that scene. It like... It freaked me out a little bit. You know what I mean? I, that movie would be on like TV and I get like nervous when that scene was coming up and shit. Um, back when they used to play movies on TV a lot, like on the hmm. local cable channel. Uh-huh. But uh, anyways, Richard Lynch is a fascinating individual because obviously he's deformed. And did you know how he became deformed? Do you know that whole story? Mm-mm. He did a bunch of LSD in the 1960s and lit himself on fire during one of his LSD trips. Oh. And obviously was saved um, pre, uh, advanced skin grafts. And that is why he has that deformity, but it almost adds to his sinister appeal, right? Cause he always played villains. He rarely, if ever had a role where he was uh, a nice guy, but there's something that he, he looks like he fits that time era because of those scars and that kind of rough skin. And, and I don't uh-huh. know, he, he, to me, he's the perfect villain in these movies. He's a great, uh, antagonist to the protagonistic characters. Yeah. yeah scary shit there he's a good about. actor as well i mean he's good in this um and but he's not so good he doesn't play it in such a way as in some snobbish like i'm acting type way which you can i guess oftentimes find in these types of movies i'll say uh, this you find the people who do that to counterbalance what you're just saying there or to prove your point i should say is and i know this is going to suck because the actor just passed away but max von sydow who just passed away when mm-hmm. he has that scene in Conan the Barbarian where he's hiring them, he overplays that. He is acting there. This is my daughter and you thieves. And he's like doing Shakespeare. Whereas Richard Lynch is much better in a, basically a same type of role, but like more subdued uh, in his performance choices. Well, I like the. I even liked, and this is weird to say in a movie like this, I just described this movie to you, but this, the bad guy has his own arc in this where he really genuinely falls for this queen that he's taken captive. And in the end of the movie, it completes that arc in, in such a weird way. And there's that moment, uh, where he's, uh, basically holding her in his arms, you know, after having I've killed her uh, on accident, killing her. And thank you. You spoiled it. Not me. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For some ungodly reason, I still don't understand why the fuck she did that. 
so she, she could be free. Him into killing him, into killing her. I, yeah, I guess. I, why didn't she just leave? Well, we're going to glaze um, over the fact that she screamed so loud that somehow the twins heard her, heard it, like, turned around way, and knew like, exactly where she was at. Yeah. Yeah, but in anyhow, yeah, he winds up killing the queen, and there's this weird moment where he's like, oh my god, like, you can see like everything that he's worked for. He doesn't give a shit about any of that stuff. He's just like, fuck, you know, my this my girl's dead you know, by my hand it was it's kind muse, of a weird yeah. moment it's a it's an interesting moment because she tricks him with that magic he accidentally kills her and then he realizes everything was for naught and like well, but then he has to I'm kill sorry. the twins so like it's this right, weird right. moment because it's like a perfunctory thing sequence. where he finds them without any of his army but it builds the world up more for you doesn't it because doesn't it make him feel like an actual character now like he's not he wasn't just in the beginning he introduces this guy that's just after power he's just after this this then like, as i said i don't know why the fuck you'd want the circus magic but you know great he does um and and then it's more than that. Like there's something else going on behind the scenes here. Like there's these people are actually as ridiculous as the world is as ridiculous as they all are. Uh, they're actually existing here and they have to live some sort of semblance of life. Right. It's a great ending though, with the shield, that final battle scene, even though it makes no sense that he comes oh, alone and he does the blinding I thing. The shield. Yes. I love that when he holds the shield up, it's all light and shit. I was like, Oh yes. This <laughs> It's choreographed terribly. <laughs> and if you think about it, I don't think that they have more than three sentences of dialogue between Lynch and the Barbarian Brothers in the whole movie. It's a terrible, yeah, terrible um, in-fight sequence. Um, it, it's also spectacular. I feel like it was tacked on, know. like they needed it to end it somehow. On, yeah. And if you if you look at it, it's the same location that was used earlier in the film uh, when they are being well, how uh, about attacked. The, but how about the whole you know twist ending? Oh, with Eva LaRue, that's the actress, the, the Vicara? Yeah, well, that's on. the thing that to me, I was like, oh my God. First of all, I was like, fuck me. I forgot about that shit because that shit's totally set up. Yeah. Secondly, what? <laughs> how the fuck do these people not know that? Well, I love that they, they find they, her in a cage fuck? like she's Mad Mardigan in Willow and she's just rotting in this crow's cage and they yeah. let her out of it. And the whole movie, she's not really doing shit, yet she comes along with them for no apparent reason. Right. And so at the, be- at the beginning of the movie, there's this whole fucking voiceover thing that lasts a good, I don't know, 10 minutes, it feels like. Um, it's fantastic, but also very long. But sets up the whole movie and sets up these two boys, right, having been found by this traveling circus, and also a young girl. Named Kara. And Kara, or Kara is now fa- the only the only other human being in this movie that's not a villain or part of this traveling circus is this person they find. And right. uh, although I, you know, I do love when they go to the tavern and they do the arm wrestling. That's that's a great bit too. It's right. my turn. I want to do it. No, you do it. You know that that kind of shit. Uh, once again, works for these brothers. But Eva Larue actually had a fairly long career on TV. I believe she was in a CSI. Or uh, one of those CSI, you name the city episodes. So she was like 200 episodes in you on name the city. You know Miami, oh, Detroit. You know what? She is in. Yeah, uh, she is in, uh, in. Yeah, CSI Miami. And I don't know if you've followed any entertainment news, but an actor named John Callahan just died yesterday, a soap opera star, and that was actually her ex-husband. And hmm. she uh, she wrote on Instagram a very nice thing about him in the memory. So uh, she popped up in the news yesterday as we record this. Another great thing about this movie is that 
you know, the ending bit when they're on the, the wagon there and they do the exchanging of the, the reins and the, the whip, uh, it does the freeze frame. And then you get this nice... It does the re- freeze frame. Bro, it starts with the freeze frame and ends with the freeze frame. It's, it's all about awesome. the... The 80s all about the freeze frame. Uh, but it's got a nice closing credit song. And I, I made me start thinking about... I like, loved it. That shit was stuck in my head forever after watching this. I, I, that's, the 80s were like that. Like I would hum the theme song to something that I was like playing. And I watched Teen Wolf again recently, the Michael J. Fox one. Um, not Jason Bateman one or the MTV television show, but it's got a great uh, <laughs> win in the end is a, a song where he's like, it's a montage in the basketball game when the wolf's taking over. I'm fucking humming that thing for like three days. I go on YouTube to see if it's on there. Of course, somebody's got the video up and you just forget that there were some of these songs that were specifically made for these movies that worked really well in the moment. And you think about these bands, like, were they running around telling people, hey, I, one of our songs is going to be in, the, in a oh, movie? Oh, for sure. You know, and like, yeah. we're, we're, they sold four tickets to the Barbarians for this band to go see where their, <laughs> their fucking song is. Or if, like, someone got their uh, their song in an episode of Baywatch, they probably were stoked back then. But, uh, yeah, the end credit song for this is, is really fun as well. But let's not forget that the VHS tape of this, when it came out on the home video, had a three-minute advertisement at the front or back of it, depending... And this was for merchandising based on the movie. You could actually get Barbarian Brothers t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, hats, all sorts of shit for the low price of like $50 per item. It was ridiculously priced. <laughs> but um, Canon Films had some balls thinking that they were going to merchandise this film. Would you, well, would you support merchandise this? It. I don't know if anyone... Yeah, I don't know anything. if anybody... And the, the way they had was like a printer... With some sort of like, you know, screen printing they could do at any moment. Okay, it's like, you know what they have now, virtual online <laughs> stores. They probably were doing that. I mean, they must have sold so few copies of this. I think there's a warehouse somewhere. With this shit, yeah. Full of the barbarian shirts. <laughs> there's, like a, there's like kids running around in Haiti wearing this shit. <laughs> All the donations out there. But uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed looking back at the barbarians. I, I wish there was a sequel. Of all the, like the sword and the sorcerer was supposed to have a sequel um, Beastmaster obviously has a couple sequels, but they all suck. Like, I wonder what the next one would have done and if it would have had this kind of exuberance and uh, just idiotic. There's, I mean, it's full of these fucking idiot, idiocracies from the beginning. It's so stupid. The whole fucking oh, idea yeah, is so stupid. That's why this, I feel like this is so primed for like sequel stuff because uh, it's so episodic. Right, you could definitely just do whatever the fuck you wanted next. What what would the next one be? Just another silly adventure, right? Just a, more crazy shit. I'd love to see them fight more monsters. I'd love to uh, to see them joke around and 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 uh, I don't know. It's just uh, you really want to go on an adventure with these guys, I guess. For me, anyways. Yeah, I, mean, I don't 30, care where we go. Uh, Thirty, besides the thirty minute opening there without them, a ninety minute run with these guys is not enough time you want to spend more time with these personalities that's that's the most endearing thing about this and that's i think the, the true making of stars you know like when you watch blood sport you're like fuck i want to see more of this guy this van damme guy when you watch above the law you want to see more of seagal and so a lot of this stuff is how they built stars back then and i wonder why canon didn't push forward with these guys in any other productions they couldn't have been that expensive um, to, to have, you know, but they made Think yeah. Big after this, which was, I think, may, if this isn't their high watermark, then Think Big possibly is because it's probably got some better production values overall. It's directed by John Turtletob, who did uh, The Meg recently and, and some big films for uh, for Disney over the years. But um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, are you a fan of any of their other work outside of 
the barbarians? Like, do you enjoy that? Would you, would this make you go back I, and watch I any of that? Do and I am interested in seeing it. Um, but they are, you know, a lot of these muscle bound guys had ridiculous things. I mean, what are we talking? You're talking think big. Okay, great. What double trouble twin sitters? Like it's there's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous, right? And I don't know if you're gonna trade on their ridiculousness. I wish that they had been in a little bit more some serious uh, type roles. I guess does that make sense? Rather you than like, the- rather than like, well, yeah, uh, I don't know how to explain it. You know, I mean, it's like Hulk Hogan, definitely- right? Does does ridiculous uh, the movies and things, but I would rather have seen him doing some more a little bit more serious movies but at the same time ridiculous i don't well, know if that makes well, any sense at all <laughs> i would have liked to seen the barbarian brothers in something like the marine which is there you go something fun, like that but but still they the can top, have fun yeah something yeah. still ridiculous but more a little bit more serious in the sense that uh that it it, it takes the the craft serious i guess in some way i don't know how to explain it well, yeah, just a better production overall. It would have been nice to see yeah, them in something that was um, maybe even in Canon's hands, they had the capability of, of doing a better production than this. Uh, the word is that Canon didn't think that this was going to be anything. And then they saw an early cut. And they said, OK, we're going to release this theatrically because some of these Canon films just came straight to video, um, mm-hmm. like you said, to exploit the market. And these things had to have sold well. I mean, like I said, every video store had this shit. We, my friends and I on sleepovers, this would get rented all the time. This was like a staple around uh, my block and, and certain groups of friends. Mm-hmm. We, I've watched this movie dozens of times. Haven't seen it in probably 15 to 20 years. The second it started and I heard yeah. that music, I thought, yep, this is it. Here we go. And I'm starting to watch the scenes in my head before they happen. But it was still uh, really enjoyable to go back and look yeah. at. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it. I certainly haven't seen it that many times. There are things I remember uh, about it. This particularly like the scene where they where the wolf thing comes up and they cut the head off and they joke yeah. about it and stuff like that. Like, I remember that vividly because I thought that, that's so fucking, we had such a funny scene and shit. That's so weird. When I was a kid like that, that fucking monster shows up and he's like a, this badass monster. And they're just like, you know, Indiana Jones shoots the guy type moment. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, the, but the other cool than moment. that, a lot of this shit, I did not remember at all. So I was like watching it uh, anew again. So. Oh, lucky Great you. Pick. Good. I'm glad you glad you liked it. I'm glad we went back and looked at this. And uh, it is kind of sad, like you said, I, to think about what happens to the brothers in their personal lives post this uh, is a little bit depressing because you just want to remember them at this peak. They were so jacked. They were looked like they were having fun. Um, they looked like there was a lot of possibilities out there. I, I sent you a YouTube video. I don't know if you ever watched it where these guys were promoting this movie. And they're literally in their Jeep driving down the street, handing out posters to cars next to them in traffic, <laughs> um, four-wheeling all over the place, and just acting like total morons and cut-ups. Jesse Ventura has once said that these guys would strap a chain around a thing to their neck and drag cars in the Gold's Gym parking lot. And you can absolutely imagine them doing that, based even off just oh, yeah. their behavior in this movie. Uh, two very, very strong individuals. Uh, but and I'm glad we watched this. And um, I don't know, you got any... Uh, any parting words for this Mm, no i i wish that um we had uh b budget i don't know this would really be considered b budget it's more like a c budget movie maybe but i really wish that we had um fun b and c budget movies nowadays everything's so uh so i mean and by serious i mean real serious like everyone's trying to make a hollywood blockbuster at this point at every level of uh of the game and it's 
uh, ridiculous. Stop doing it. Play to your strengths, you know? Make a fun movie. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that... Uh, I think, first of all, movies have at least two to three beats too many right now um, because they want to give everything depth and character depth. because well, everything's two sucks, and a half hours long. If, if your movie sucks and it's about nothing, really, we don't need to think that the character has depth. We get it. Let's move on. Like, the, there's no depth here well, of these characters. It's still enjoyable and rewatchable. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've seen a lot of uh, sci-fi lately. I got nothing to do. Um, but especially the short movies, <clears throat> excuse me, that wind up on YouTube and things are uh, a joke for just how much the, the story is nothing. It doesn't matter. But the shot selection, the set, the, uh, the blocking, it's a terrible copy of just bland Hollywood shit that you would see nowadays. And it's like, where, like, who made this? Who gives a shit? Yeah, name, you're not fan. making a name for yourself doing this type of stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I really wish that people would start doing things that are copying from stuff them. and it doesn't look good. It's yeah, that's what I see good. a lot. A lot of that. And it's like, that's not go good, back, guys. You can look at something like this and you can see where they cut corners and had to use a little bit of creativity and ingenuity to get things done. And that kind of let's get this to like, oh, yeah. hold this together by spit and glue and, and you know, sinew, whatever you got to use. It works for the movie. It really does. Yeah, and first, how ridiculous it is. I mean, I love when they really, when they first leave, uh, when they first break out, they immediately find, obviously, the girl, right? Uh, the long-lost girl thing. But they also walk right into the, it's like the area with all the wagons and stuff from yeah. the circus. It's like the circus. It's like, how did you wind up there? That's the only place. And why aren't those people either slaves and imprisoned or dead? Yeah, well, how are they hiding out still? How did that weird one well, guy with the weird out, eyes make it? They're hiding out like right outside of the bad guy's little village area there, his fortress. This is ridiculous. I guess there's only three groups of people. There's the barbarians, there there's the circus people, and then there's the bad guys. Uh, and then there's, there's, well, there's people the people drinking town. at a bar. Yeah, yeah there's the, the one, well, I, the I one said town. town, but you're right, the bar. <laughs> yeah, the bar set. Um, and once again, I love when they find the harem and they just start you know doing that cat call again or that donkey call. That they do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is available, like mm. Trevor said, if you want to check it out on Pluto TV streaming right now. If you got some free time, which everybody looks like they got a lot of free time on their hands, this is a good mm-hmm. time waster, I would call it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a definite uh, good time waster. I'm glad that Corman had nothing to do with this because otherwise the bar would be the bar scene from Deathstalker. And it wouldn't make any <laughs> sense because the Barbarian Brothers wouldn't be in it. But hey, who knows? If, if Corman had it, he would just keep reusing that shot of the castle that is in all four of the Deathstalker movies, right, and I think right. about five other movies as well, with the lightning strike over the castle. Must be like somewhere in Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Anyways, we want to thank you guys for joining us on this retrospective episode for The Barbarians. Check back our back catalog for other retrospectives and moviemavericks.com for our full catalog of podcasts. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and we are The Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! Engage!